Arizona's sports station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. It is the Rundown, April 27th edition. I'm your host, Luke Lipinski, Michaela Perkins, producing as always. And look, the last dance episodes three and four were last night's. Uh, The NBA has some news tentatively that they're going to potentially allow some of their players to re-enter team facilities to work out, but not until May 8th. We'll have the rest of the week to talk about that stuff, but we're coming off NFL Draft Weekend. we got to focus on what the Arizona Cardinals have done. And I'll tell you what, the biggest takeaway I have, and I already kind of had this going in to Thursday night's first round, but the biggest takeaway I have now for the Cardinals is we're going to find out how this group handles expectations whenever whenever football season starts up again. Because they have raised the bar. And I, there's not a lot of sites out there, experts, scouts, whoever you want to turn to for your, your draft analysis. If you're into the whole draft grading process after it's done, but before any of these guys actually play, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But if you're into that stuff, there's not a lot of people out there that have the Cardinals lower than, really lower than an A. I mean, there's a few that have them around Bs. Haven't seen much lower than that. I heard Wolf when I was driving in today that uh, he made a great point on the GM's job in the NFL. Their main job is to make the team better on paper in the offseason. All you can do as the GM is make the team better on paper. That's all you can do. And Steve Keim was much maligned heading into this offseason, and honestly, deservedly so. Now, if you are somebody that that wanted Keim fired, a lot of those people overlooked the good things he has done up until this, this offseason. I'm, I'm really just going through the end of the 2019 season. And then there are people that would look past and say, oh, no, he's, look at, look at the uh, you know, drafting a guy like David Johnson when he was ultimately good and you get him that late and look at some of these other steals. Buda Baker in the second round is, is a pretty good pick. I wouldn't say it's a steal. I mean, second round pick, you expect an impact player, but a pretty good pick. You can point to things Steve Kime has done well, but then you go too far and you're overlooking the mistakes he has made. So, look, he was on the hot seat after the Steve Wilkes, Josh Rosen, Mike McCoy season. He was. Uh, and I think he was on the hot seat in the the eyes of, of a lot of fans, most fans, really, even after this past season. But what he has done this offseason is all you can do as a GM. If you were just grading Steve Kime's entire career from, let's say, March 1st of this of 2020 forward, he'd get an A+. He goes out and gets DeAndre Hopkins. He gets rid of David Johnson, and he gets rid of David Johnson's entire contract all in the same trade. Now, some of that is Bill O'Brien not appreciating what he had in DeAndre Hopkins. And we talked about this last week. Steve Keim did a good job of identifying that, identifying a team with some dysfunction and realizing he could step in there and essentially take advantage of that team. And he did. I mean, even if the Texans get something out of David Johnson, Steve Keim stepped in there at the right time and was able to unload his most painful contract, his most burdensome contract off his team, unload David Johnson, who I don't necessarily think his career is over, but he, he wasn't, he didn't have a future here in Arizona. And if you had to keep him around, even if he was going to be your third string running back, that was going to be awkward to start the season. So you do all that and you get DeAndre Hopkins back. Well, what does that do on last Thursday night? It allows you to take a position other than receiver. And Isaiah Simmons falls to the Cardinals at 8. And I absolutely believe that is an example of somebody falling to you at 8. It's not a knock on the 7 guys that went ahead of him. 
but we've been talking about this for three months. If you're the Cardinals, you've already got your quarterback. That benefits you greatly on the field. It's it's great for the marketing department. It's great for so many different reasons. But one of the more underrated reasons, until you know draft day actually happens, is what it allows you to do in the first round while other teams have to scramble to get a quarterback. Seven teams picked ahead of the Cardinals. Three of them took quarterbacks. Is Justin Herbert a top seven pick? I mean, time will tell, but probably he's not one of the top seven players in this draft, at least not going into it. Tua has questions. I would have I would have taken Tua if I was Miami at five. They had two other first round picks, too. So that mitigates some of the risk. But still, you get three quarterbacks going ahead of you at eight. Well, the Cardinals knew at that point that a really good player was going to fall to them, whether it was Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons. I know a lot of people like Brown more. I like Simmons more, at least for the Cardinals. So they get him at eight. How about getting Josh Jones, though, at 72? I was doing the draft show with Jordan Bird on Friday night during the third round. And we had Vince Murata and we had Doug Franz and Max Starks on. And we were looking at, you know, who, who could the Cardinals potentially get here in the third round? And we're talking at this at this point. It was it was during the second round. And I'm looking, I'm like, how is Josh Jones still there? This was in the second round. I'm not an offensive line expert, but we all follow this stuff so closely that when I see Josh Jones, I see a guy that Pro Football Focus had ranked 14th overall. And CBS Sports had them had him 17th overall. I mean, on our mock draft tracker, which is not us, that's that's just us bringing all the mock drafts around the nation together so you can get a feel for who people think the Cardinals are going to take. There were mock drafts on there that had the Cardinals taking Josh Jones at eight, and they got him at 72. That's a pretty good start to your draft. Then you go out there and get a couple defensive linemen in the fourth round. That's still a need, or at least it was heading into the draft. And it's two different styles of defensive linemen. Evan Weaver, the linebacker, in the sixth out of Cal. Eno Benjamin in the seventh round. This is another thing we were talking about on Friday night on the air on on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. It might be tough for us to evaluate Eno Benjamin fairly here in the city. I get that. I went to ASU, so I'm rooting for Eno. But in all the time I've been at Arizona, he sure looked like the most NFL-ready running back that ASU's ever had. Again, since I've been here in Arizona, let's just say since that's 2000 on, let's say that. And he drops all the way to the seventh round. Most most projections had him as like a, a late third, early fourth rounder. What I would say, though, is if you think back to a year ago, Eno was arguably the second best running back in the nation in 2018. Right? That's fair. Arguably. Jonathan Taylor was number one. I get that. But Eno was right there on the short list of, of who was number two in the nation. This is 2018 season. Well, last year, ASU had injuries. They had guys leave. They had one of the most inexperienced offensive lines in the nation. A couple freshmen starting on the offensive line. And you could see it. It impacted Eno. The only reason I bring all this up is not to make an excuse for Eno last season, which he still didn't have a bad season. But if you're trying to identify a steal of the draft... That's one of the main factors that goes into it. Like, even if we're not talking about Eno, we're not talking about somebody from ASU. How about if I just told you player A doesn't have a name, had a really good season in college, so we know he can do it. Like, a dominant season. 2018, he was dominant. 2019 takes a step back, but there were factors that you might not know right off the top of your head if you are drafting for the Chicago Bears or something. You know what I mean? With, with everything that's going on right now, 
and all the, the just the strangeness around this particular draft and just the way it was run and everything. And I thought the NFL did an excellent job considering the circumstances, but it was different. We're not talking about a first round player here. So maybe maybe GMs weren't aware that he was running behind a couple freshmen for a lot of last season. I'm not saying Eno's going to come in here and, and win rookie of the year. I'm not saying that. He's, he's going to have to fight for third string for the Cardinals. I get that. But I like that pick a lot. I, I, I really like that pick. Because you obviously have nothing to lose to the seventh round pick. He looked like an NFL running back two years ago. He looked like he could step into the NFL last season with the way he played in 2018. And on the Cardinals, they're not going to ask him to be the lead guy. But again, Kenyon Drake only guaranteed to be here for next season. Chase Edmonds? I like Chase Edmonds. Can he be a, a, a true number one running back? Carry the load three down back 16 weeks in the season? I don't know. I mean, we, nobody knows yet. So, look, it's entirely possible three years from now, Kenyon Drake is still the lead running back. Chase Edmonds is the number two back on the Cardinals. And Eno Benjamin's not even on the team. That's that's I grant you that's very possible. But I think he's making this team, and I think he should have been a fourth-round pick. And the Cardinals needed a running back, but they needed it in such a way where you pay for that need in like the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh round. They didn't need him or any running back to the extent where you would spend a top three-round pick on him. Herm Edwards on with Doug and Wolf this morning. Why did Eno fall all the way to the seventh round? Yeah, that was surprising. Um, you know, I felt uh, he would go way higher than that. Um, uh, you know, I don't know about being a first-round pick uh, or a second, uh, but but I thought anywhere, you know, somewhere in the third, he would probably go. But but here again, um, you know, you, you never know why guys don't go. I mean, it, it's amazing, you know. And, and I think when you go where he went, um, it's important toward the end of the draft, if you don't get drafted, to at least sign at a place as a free agent where you have an opportunity to play. He couldn't have landed in a better spot, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. I mean, he'll have the ability to make this team and with the offense they run. You know, he can come out of the backfield and catch the ball. They're a spread, they're a spread offense. Um, so he's going to flourish in this offense. Yeah, we got to like the fourth round and I started to look and I'm sure a lot of Sun Devil fans were doing this. You're just kind of looking at the draft, and you're looking maybe five or six picks ahead, and you're saying, okay, well, Eno could fit for this team. They they could use a number two running back or whatever. He's probably not going to fit for these couple teams, but he could fit here. I was worried for a while Seattle might take him, and then that, I just I didn't want Eno landing in the division. We already have Brandon Ayuk landing in the division and probably going to play a pretty prominent role for San Francisco. So I didn't want to see Eno on, like, the Rams or something or Seattle, two teams that don't necessarily have, like, a dominant number two running back. The Rams won't even really have a dominant number one running back anymore. But um, for him to land on the Cardinals, you heard Herm say it right there, too. I mean, he actually fits this offense as well. It's not just, uh, hey, we could kind of use a running back, and you're still there in the seventh, and you went to school down the street. It's like, yeah, it's going to have a chance to maybe contribute for this team. Michael Bidwell, overall, had to be happy with the draft, right? We had a great weekend, and boy, what a what a difference uh, from the end of the 2019 season with our free agency. I think Steve Keim and our personnel group did a fantastic job through free agency. And then from last Thursday through Saturday, uh, just a hugely successful draft for us. So we got a lot better as a team. I can't wait to get the players into the facility. We can't do that yet, but uh, get them on the grass and see how they all look. Yeah, look, I mean, I've talked a lot about Eno just because I don't think he should have been a seventh rounder. I thought he should have been, like I said, a fourth rounder. And it's it's extra nice that he falls to the Cardinals. But, I mean, the, the, 
the story of this draft for Arizona is Isaiah Simmons being there at eight. It's a rare situation when you can take the best available player and it fills your, your main need. Like, think about it. How many times do you hear that debate? Well, should we take best available or should we draft for need? The Cardinals got to do both with the same pick with Isaiah Simmons at eight. And they got to do it again at 72 with Josh Jones. So I will go back to how I opened the show. Steve Kime, you would have to give an A-plus if you were just grading from March on. But things have certainly broken his way. They really have. Any one of us would have drafted Isaiah Simmons at 8. And really, any one of us probably would have drafted Josh Jones at 72. If I'm talking about a guy, and look, I, I, I do this for a living. Like, I follow it very closely. But again, I'm not, a, I'm not an offensive line expert. I'm not an NFL scout. It's not what I do 70 hours a week. If I'm telling you 20 picks before Josh Jones goes, hey, if he's still there at 72, the Cardinals got to scoop him up, and then he's there, they basically ran to the podium after Carolina took Derrick Brown with the seventh pick. I love that. Every year, we we see every team seemingly milk the whole clock early in the draft. Cincinnati knew they were taking Joe Burrow in January, and they made us wait for pretty much the entire clock on that first pick. Derek Brown goes to Carolina, and the Cardinals are basically at the podium making their pick, the virtual podium, but you get the point. Cliff Kingsbury on with Bickley and Murata today addressing that idea that they essentially just got to go best available in this draft, and it really worked out for them. I think, you know, we always want to try and take the best player available on the board, how you have them rated, but but obviously that comes into to play. Um, if you just see a glaring need that you, you have to maybe force a guy maybe down the board a bit to that, that hole because you, you just don't have anybody there. It didn't feel that way this year. I mean, we felt like coming out of the draft, we had improved um, as a team from those offseason additions, and we could sit there and, and literally just say, these, these are how it stacks up on our board and take the best guy available. And that, I think for all of us, that there was a comfort level throughout the draft, and I thought Steve did a, did a tremendous job of sticking to his guns and taking the, the, the board as it fell to him. How about the fact that basically if Cliff Kingsbury recruited you to Texas Tech and you said no, you're, you're getting drafted by this team. Kyler Murray last year. Eno actually got recruited by Cliff Kingsbury at one point. Now he's on the Cardinals. Josh Jones, though. And Josh Jones in particular is interesting because he played at Houston, so it's kind of a similar offense. To, to He's at least familiar with what Cliff Kingsbury likes to do. And again, he was there so much later than anybody expected, including Kingsbury. Yeah, a lot of praying, a lot of group prayers at that <laughs> point. Uh, you look at the board and it's you know, kind of wiped out all around him. And, and we, we were trying to figure out why I was calling Dana Holgerson, who, who kind of got me into coaching there at the University of Houston. And then you know, Josh's position coach was with me at Texas Tech as my offensive line coach there. And so we're calling saying, what's going on? Did he kill somebody last night? There's something we don't know about. Uh, what's, what, what's the issue? And, you know, they were kind of scratching their head as well. So when it fell in place, uh, we were just thrilled. You know, I remember recruiting Josh in high school and then just listening to the uh, his old line coach and Daniel Holger will speak about the type of young man he is. You watch that film, you watch her, he's got better year to year. We're, we're just thrilled to have a guy that can come in, not have to be thrown in the fire right away. You have a veteran like Marcus, you have DJ, you have Murray who, who performed really well last year. And so I think the fit is, is really good for the player as well. Yeah, that's all well and good. Like I said, the expectations have been raised for this team. I think they were before the draft even happened. But how about the profile being raised for this team? Kyler Murray. Offensive Rookie of the Year, number one overall pick, and plays a fun style of football. Very marketable guy. How about Cliff Kingsbury's house stealing 
the first round of the draft on Thursday. Uh, just want to have some fun with it, show yeah. off, you know, uh, Chambers, the Converse, whatever we have here in the Phoenix area, and just kind of enjoy it all. Now, are you surprised yeah. by the buzz that that created over the weekend, Cliff? Uh, you know, I think people are just bored, and uh, <laughs> the draft was was uh, you know obviously a fun time for all the sports fans, and, and to get back to a little bit of normalcy, having some live TV. So I think that that kind of spurred it on. Cliff's house was the story of the first round. It really was. It really was. Think how much we were talking about it here, and the Cardinals got Isaiah Simmons, and it was topic wise was pretty much neck and neck between hey the Cardinals got Isaiah Simmons and. Did you see Cliff Kingsbury's house? It was actually kind of entertaining. I wouldn't want to have to do it this way every year, obviously, especially under these circumstances. But it was sort of entertaining to see where all these different teams and team personnel were drafting from. All the way to New England going to make a pick, and they just have Bill Belichick fonted across the bottom of the screen, and it's just his dog sitting at the table. <laughs> like Dave Gettleman, I'm convinced, had built like a, a, a couch fort for his pick. It was... Uh, it was a very different draft, but one the Cardinals have to be ecstatic about in terms of how it broke for them. Now we're going to see what they can do on the field. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be right back at it tomorrow. Thanks to you for listening. From Michaela Perkins, producing, I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on ArizonaSports.com.